Hey, welcome to Fans of the Forge. I'm Chris. I'm here with Jamie Lundell, and we are at Dragon's Breath Forge in Wolcott, Connecticut. Yeah, man. How so, you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. So we stopped in for Maker Saturday, you know, Small Maker Saturday. Or, mm -hmm. And um, so we've had people coming through all day doing uh, some forging demos for them, as well as showing off knives and, and stuff like that. How's mm -hmm. it been going so far? Things have been great. Things yeah. have been great. Did a couple of forging demos, had a lot of engagement from, uh, you know, local folks. And, you know, it's kind of nice to... Um, open up the doors and and kind of uh um, expand the community of bladesmithing yeah awesome well we're local too so it was only a matter of time before we could get ourselves down here and check it out because we were literally one town over and uh yeah. i was glad we were able to swing by and and be able to you know chat with you guys and see what's going on here yeah it's, man, it's, it's good cool to have shop. you here so you were on season one episode seven Mm -hmm. and the Roman Gladius the Roman Gladius <laughs> and also on that episode was your shopmate Marekko yes although at that point in time he was not my shopmate right he was over in Seattle at the time or Washington State I believe at yeah, the time yeah up near uh, Olympia oh okay yep so you came in and you had 15 years of full time experience at the time and um you had mentioned you're into medieval reenacting. Mm -hmm. You still doing that, like on a regular basis, doing medieval reenacting? And oh yeah, man! I was just fighting in the snow last weekend. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was oh, pretty good. Pretty that's intense. Cool. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was wearing modern boots though, I, and I felt oh. kind of bad about it because a lot of people were like wearing their medieval stuff, and I'm like fully Gore-Texed up on my feet, and they're like <laughs> warm and dry. <laughs> I'm looking at people like sopping boots, and just like they're looking miserable. I'm like, oh, I feel a little bit guilty, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I, would, I mean, you're already out there fighting with swords and, and whatnot to at least have a little bit of comfort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, who wants to be slipping and sliding in the snow? <laughs> not, not me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for round one, you were given a ball bearing, and you had to make a blade that was between 9 and 13 inches long, and mm -hmm. it had to have a hollow grind. Mm -hmm. Now, when you saw the ball bearing, what was going through your head? Uh, well, so, um, seeing the ball bearing, it was a kind of an unknown, uh, element for me. Uh, I, I, I had never forged down a ball bearing into a, into a blade. I generally start with bar stock, right? So, right. um, you know, but having done a lot of decorative iron work, I, I have worked with a lot of like large stock and forging it down. And so, you know, that process I'm familiar with, um, one of the big things was uh, the fact that it was uh, 52100. Okay. Which is not a steel that I, I really use ever, actually. That, right. that was the one time that I used it. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, one thing that helped me out in the episode was that um, you just kind of like a, a knowledge of of metallurgy not mm -hmm. that i not that i am at all like any sort of of uh authority on it right but you know you got we've got a working knowledge of stuff and sure so, knowing that um you know uh 52100 has a really high carbon uh content um and uh and the 52 series has a lot of chromium and uh chromium carbide is uh they it forms a lot of um uh, chromium carb corbium forms a lot of carbides right so okay. you need to break those carbides down before you start forging things out or you you tend to fracture right and that yep. and those chrome, uh, chrome carbides don't um 
uh, break down until like uh, like a higher temperature and they need to soak. So just because the outside of that two inch ball bearing was up to temperature and had soaked long enough, didn't mean that the inside had. So I kind of had that knowledge um, and and just let I made sure that I just let things sit and I just kind of took my time. Yeah. Um, and one thing that you know had come out in in that episode was a lot of people had had fractures in their steel. Right. And so I feel like that's a common thing that happens when they introduce a ball bearing as well because guys see it getting up so bright so so on the verge of yellow or white on the outside mm-hmm. and then they go stick it in the press and it's not moving the way they think it's going to move for something that's that hot and because they didn't leave it in long enough still to get the inside warmed up mm-hmm. yeah and especially using a press that puts a lot of stress yeah you know that that continuous pressure is is pretty tough on steel right so you got to make sure that it's it's up for it at that point gotcha so so you went with a kukri style design mm-hmm. and uh you started off by grinding a couple flat spots on the ball so that you could hold it with the tongs and then the tongs broke yeah you know because <laughs> everybody i was like everybody's gonna weld uh, uh, a handle right? right i figured that everybody was gonna go that route and i was gonna save time by not doing that mm-hmm um, it got me into the forge quicker, so I didn't even like bother going to get tongs until I had the flats ground. Yeah. And then when I went to go get tongs, like there were a couple of pairs that I had eyeballed on my way in, and I was like, oh, I'm going to use those. But by the time by the time I got over there, they were all gone. Oh. And so the, the, I, I picked up this pair of tongs that were pretty janky. I saw there was like a <laughs> pretty big fracture, uh, you know, at, at the jaw. Yeah, man, and they just—they just barely <laughs> held on, uh, just long enough to 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 get it out of the forge, and then it broke. Yeah, and so um, yeah, I found a different pair of tongs and ended up working out just fine. Yeah. but it was kind of it was kind of hilarious. I mean, you just at that point, you just got to like laugh <laughs> and just keep moving forward. Oh yeah, I mean, it's got to be a lot of stress at that time, right? So any little thing like that, it's just you have to let, brush it off and keep moving, or else you're just gonna fall off your track of where you're going with with what you're making yeah yeah well and you know one of the things honestly is like once like the build-up to it is super stressful and like the super anxiety building yeah and then um once that clock starts going it's like it's, it's time to work and and it, it becomes less anxiety well for me i found my anxiety level dropped as soon as that clock started going right um and then of course it like kicked back up when like i'm like grinding and i'm noticing that i'm not getting like completely flat grinds and i'm like oh there's a camera watching this there's a camera seeing this am i fucking up on national television um and so there's certainly the anxiety of that right um, but you know those that first round really turns into um like some problem solving skills mm-hmm. and how well you do under pressure because they got that clock ticking down and you have like 15 cameras looking at you mm-hmm. um, and you just hope that it's not watching you like, you know, crash and burn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so for the judging on that, you had good notes. It was a good feel of your of your blade and you, your hollow grind was, was good and you moved on to round two. Mm-hmm. And for round two, you, um, you had a crack that you had to take care of in your blade. Which was a scratch. It was not, just a scratch. Not, not a crack. 
Not a crack. I okay. spent a bunch of time hand sanding that though because it was it was pretty light. I having going gone through the hollow grind. I didn't use all of the material in that too and and that ball bearing. I cut a bunch off. All right. I was really paranoid about the parameters, so I kept on checking and checking and checking. Mm -hmm. But you know, I pretty much didn't do any grinding on a machine in the second round. I just did it all did all hand sanding. Oh, okay. Um, because I didn't want to remove excess material. Right. The the downside of that was the that 52100 hardens up like a son of a bitch. So it was like that hand sanding took fucking forever. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I spent half my time, uh, at least the first hour, hand sanding. <laughs> yeah, that is rough. Uh, and then there was one note that you only used epoxy to hold the handle to the blade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the judges generally get a little nervous about that if there's oh, no yeah. pins in there. Were you nervous about it, or you just Not did what you had? To, you you knew Not it was going to stay. Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing: is that when you look back, uh, if you take take the sacks, right, used for hundreds and hundreds of years by several different cultures, not a single one had a peened handle or a hole in the tang for a pin. And if it hadn't been, and they were using. Um, what were they? Uh, um, butchers, uh, whatever. Like, so they're using like basically pitch and, uh, to to keep things in there. Oh yeah. And um, and if that worked, I mean, my like ten ton epoxy is going to be just fine, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, there was there was some texture on the on the tang so to, for it to grip to. Yep. And you know, I I had no worries. The one the big worry that comes into those um, those moments are. If you have whatever you have for your assembly method, you know, your handle, if you have pockets that are not full of epoxy, mm -hmm. if you have voids in there, that's where things break. Whenever you uh, see a handle break, it generally, it's, you'll see that there is a hollow where there wasn't epoxy. It happened to Salem. He had a freaking awesome knife. Right. But he was using a stabilized burl and there was a, um, there was a, just a pocket where the epoxy didn't fill in. And that's that becomes the weak point, and that's where things will fail. Gotcha. But um, but yeah, no, I, I had no I had no worry that my blade was going to come flying out. I I've made several blades like that, and then beaten the ever living snot out of them, and, <laughs> and they've and they've held up just fine. Yeah. So. Um, so then for testing, you had the ice block chop. Yeah. And they hit that ice block six times. Had you ever tested any blades like that on ice before? No, no, I've never done an ice block chop. Okay. Um, it looks like a lot of fun, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you did well. You didn't have any deformation, and the comments were that it was comfortable, and you did a good job on your blade. So that brought you into the final round mm -hmm. against Moreco. Mm -hmm. And you guys had to make the Roman Gladius, like, mm -hmm. legendary weapon. Yeah, like, yeah. This show's all about legendary weapons, and this is legendary amongst legendary weapons. Absolutely. So, were you excited to see that? Like, when they pulled the curtain back and, and they show you it's a Roman Gladius? What, what were you thinking? Well, I was thinking it's, a, it's very much in my comfort zone. I mean, the blade isn't very long, so that makes it a lot easier to forge and heat treat. It's just a much easier blade to manage than something larger. Like, the longer right. you get the more difficult that is. And, you know, I, I've, I've made plenty of big swords, so I wasn't really all that nervous about it, uh, about, about what the reveal was going to be, but I saw that, that it was a Roman Gladius, and I was actually pretty excited because there's a lot that you can do with that. Yeah. And the, the fittings and everything can, can be very simple, but can also, you can get pretty elaborate with those. Sure. 
So yeah, so I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, moving forward, you know, actually I just made another Gladius not too long ago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was probably one of the most complex blades that I've made. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. So for this one, you made a 108 layer Damascus billet. Yep. Um, now, did you have any issues like in making the Damascus, or because I know sometimes is the issue the possibility of mm. cracks forming or delaminations happening between your layers? Yeah. Well, so I was super nervous about it because that was actually only the third piece of Damascus that I had ever made. Oh wow. Okay. Right. Since then, I've made pro hundreds. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but at that point, I was kind of nervous about about doing it. I wasn't, you know, I was not at that point in my my smithing career incredibly comfortable making Damascus. Mm -hmm. But in a conversation that I had with Peter, you know, that came down to, you know, if you get to the end, you want to make something that is going to be the type of thing that you want to make in the future because people are going to watch this and say oh he made that thing and i want things like that yep. and that was what i wanted to do i wanted to do more damascus i wanted to do more intricate blades i wanted so i really tried to to take that that opportunity to produce something that was you know along the lines of the things that i wanted to to make in the future yeah you know because you have you have an opportunity to 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 show the world what you can do and if you just go ahead and say all right well you know 5160 is is really tough and it and that's easy yeah you could do that but then people are just going to want to buy 5160 blades from you they're not going to look and be like oh that guy made some pretty sick damascus yeah you yeah that's know? a good that's an interesting way to think about it and i've never heard that answer to, to something like that and that is neat it's like a stepping stone for yourself as you show off what you're doing and then putting it out there to the world. So yeah, that, I mean, you got your 15 minutes of fame and you just got to make the most of it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> On the third day, you had ground out your shape and uh, you quenched and there was a little bit of a warp mm. that um, you couldn't really take care or get, remove it. Um, mm -hmm. So you just said, meh, I'll focus on the details for the rest of the weapon. And uh, was there anything else that they didn't show that you, like for the warper, that you had to like, think about or you were okay with the the minimal warp that was there it wasn't too bad you know and and that's that's a thing that that now see i um i've been trying to get back on every time they go a casting call i send them like hey i want to get back on sure get back on it's like my my that warp would not be a thing now like i i would i would i've since that show i've i've done so much more yeah um and and learned so much more, but anyways, so yeah, I had I could at that point I could not have got couldn't get that warp out. I tried okay. like three times. I did several different temper cycles to try to get it out in the temper, um, and uh, and I was just not able to remove it. And like you had mentioned, I kind of was like I just got to go to the nines with everything else. Yeah, and so so I I you know I did all the carving and I I spent my last ten hours making a, a wood core leather wrap scabbard with the bronze fittings that had like five seconds of airtime. <laughs> and there was actually a debate of like whether or not they were going to put it on. Oh my gosh. So it was like between Will and, um, uh, and Jay. Jay was like, "Well, oh, this isn't a scabbard making uh, oh, competition," geez. and Will's like, <laughs> "Will's like, the scabbard stays up." And and, and they apparently that was the first time they ever got into a fight <laughs> was was because of that. Um, and they had asked me about it, and I was like, "Well, I mean, I don't think." And, and this is not a thing that they had ended up airing, but they were like, "So, you know, Will was like, so why did you choose to do a scabbard?'" I'm like, "Well, 
I don't think that any legionnaire was sent on campaign with a gladius that didn't have a scabbard. Right. Right. Yeah. Makes so, sense. Um, yeah. So that was that. And I also, <laughs> so, and then that, that fortune favors the bold. I had, uh, that whole quote from Odysseus, mm. um, that I had I had printed out and made a little scroll and I put it in the packaging. Yeah. And... <laughs> oh wow, that's, that's cool. So you go back to the forge. Okay. And you yeah. have three tests to go through. Yeah. Your slice test was a cut through branches, vines, and sugar canes, mm. and it was a good blade. It was very sharp, but the handle rotated mm-hmm. in his hand while he was testing. It was uh, Doug was testing. Yep. Um, that was really all they kind of said about it, but you, you made it through okay. Now, did you have any concerns prior to going there that, that something like that could be an issue? Or, Well, um, you know, I was looking at it in a uh, purely kind of historical kind of way, and a lot of those blades, a lot of those handles were round. Right. And so that it... It was not a thing that had really occurred to me up until that point. And you can see it as he's swinging it, yeah. you know. And so stepping out of that that round, I was I was definitely nervous because I think Mareko's blade uh, performed better than mine. I mean, it was, it was, his blade was lighter than mine mm-hmm. and had, uh, you know, I mean, Mareko is a man of skilled uh, smith. And so I was at that point feeling like I was not uh, on top. <laughs> okay. So then you moved into the kill test, which was on a ballistics dummy, and you had some very deep lacerations and uh, very good kill shots. So it will kill. Um, and then the strength test, they bring out this swinging rig mm-hmm. to swing it against one of their Roman gladiuses. And you had a strong sword, but there was a little bit of minor damage, I believe, on the edge. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but otherwise, the note was that it would have broken a soldier's arm really easily, like if you had yeah, swung. Yeah, it, it actually broke the the stand that was holding it. Oh wow! Okay, that, that was holding the other sword. It actually broke that stand down. Yeah. Um, so you know, it performed really well there. I mean, anytime you uh, you go edge to edge, you're you you're not going to make it through unscathed. Right. right? You're asking for damage. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And. Um, and so, yeah, coming out of that, it, it you know it felt felt pretty pretty strong on that point. You know, it was it was built very robustly too. You know, so mm-hmm. um, you know it had you know, as far as strength goes. I mean, it was it was it was built pretty strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it came down to the judging. You know, there was a little bit of minor things like the the edge damage and Mareko his had a, a bend in the the handle. Mm-hmm. Mareko said he was watching with his his wife and she was surprised like he had already said he had lost to her like ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And going into that she was still thinking that he was going to win it. And when you watch it it's such a close call to see who who's going to come out with the win there. But there you go. You won the yeah. episode. Yeah. So uh, what did you end up doing with the 10,000 that you got for that episode? So, uh, I told them that what I was going to do with it and they never aired it because it's not glamorous or exciting. <laughs> I, I paid off all my debts. Hey, that's so a great I, thing. I, I ended do. up debt free. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. 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 That's, oh, that's really cool. So 
you did a great job on that episode Thank and you. i can't wait hopefully you get back on there again and we can see it tear it up again in there yeah i hope so it's, maybe we should start a write-in campaign <laughs> hey we'll do it we're, <laughs> we're, we're local we can write some letters for you so i have a few more questions all right you already answered one of them because i asked you the last time you were doing some sword fighting and you you told me about that so that okay. was pretty cool yeah um do you currently have any armor that you're working on so I've been trying to get out of the armor business. Okay. Right. So, uh, cause I, I found that like I was doing a little bit of everything for a while. I was like, I was doing my jewelry. I was doing the swords and knives, the decorative iron work, the armor. I was apprenticed to a farrier for five years. Oh, wow. Okay. So like when it came to doing any sort of metal work, I was trying to do a little bit of everything and I've. And I got to a point of being like, I want to get really good at some things. Like, I, I, and I and I and where my passion is is with swords and knives and make and and like developing Damascus patterns and doing all that stuff. I, that's where I get the most amount of pleasure in metalwork. And so I've been trying to do more of that. And of course, as I'm like, all right, guys, I'm not making any more helmets or anything like that. I got like five guys being like, oh, but make me this helmet. <laughs> so, um, so I have a. I do have a helmet that I got. I'm going to be getting done by the end of the year. It's like mm -hmm. a Roman gladiator helmet. Okay. Um, so, but I tend to not put that the stuff up on uh, on Instagram because I don't want more people to ask me about it. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. You know, so I end up going silent on Instagram for a, a week and a half or whatever it is, and it's because I'm working on something like someone <laughs> decided to pay me a, a, to you know build some silly anime sword, you know. And, <laughs> And uh, I just don't want to tell everybody I'm doing those things. Sure. <laughs> oh, and there you go. Now I you know. You. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got one last question All for right, you. Man, shoot. So when starting a new Damascus pattern, mm. is there a first step for you in determining what you think the end result's going to look like? Talk to Mareko. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said he's constantly walking around with a pad of paper so that he can start sketching wherever he is if he comes up with an idea. Mm -hmm. So Mareko's like your source. Oh, he's for the man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All, all of the, you know, recently I posted pictures of, um, of an axe that I did, and that was uh, a pattern that was inspired by Mareko. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I saw him doing this thing, and I was like, oh, but if I, if I do that same layout but I do twisted bars as opposed to biased and then add this on that end. And, th you know, so I kind of built off of that base idea, you know, and, and just seeing the, the mosaic patterns that Mareko comes up with, you know, that's really inspiring to me because I had never really done much from the way mo mosaic stuff. You know, okay. A lot of the work that I had been doing has been, you know, I do a lot of twisted um, uh, Viking style right. uh, Damascus. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, and then I, I kind of, I look at things and, you know, I might get inspired by like, you know, an end grain that I end up developing for something and, you know, n not intending for it to be an end grain pattern, but like oh, for a twist, you know, I had, yeah. I had done um, one with like a crushed W's outside and a dark, dark line in, in the middle and then two bright lines on the outside of that, right? Sure. So, and that's what, you know, the, the Gladius that I was telling you about, I did the, uh, the Thunderbolt pattern. Right. And so that was developed from that end grain. I was looking at it from, you know, I had just done a twist on for like an elven short sword. Mm -hmm. And um, I was looking at it, I'm like, oh man, that's really cool. And what if you just crushed this and then stack it and then, you know, and so, yeah. so but, but my mind had never really thought of Damascus like that until I was spending time with Mareko. So um, he's been he's been an absolute inspiration, and him moving out here has been like one of the most awesome things. Oh, great! 
So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, and, and that's probably the best part of Fortune Fire is is like building that that relationship, and then just the other relationships outside of that, right? Sure. You know, becoming more of that community, and and because uh, I, for going up to that, had been very much outside of that community. I hadn't been doing a lot of swords and knives. We mm -hmm. had done some for Ren fairs, and then stopped doing the Ren fairs, and then been doing a lot of iron work and. And it really has brought focus back towards blades, which uh, I'm super thankful for uh, because it's right near Thanksgiving, and, uh, <laughs> and thankful for that, and and just you know the opportunity to be doing all this stuff and and with awesome shop mates. So well, that's great. Thank you for taking the time to sit with us and uh, do an interview. We really appreciate it, and. Hopefully, I'll be able to come down and check out some of your classes in the yeah, future absolutely. and get a little hands-on time myself. But, hey, thanks yeah, a lot. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for watching. Uh, check out Jamie on Instagram. You can see all the, the cool stuff he's working on there. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye-bye. Take it easy.